50 to 65 hours a week, and then I'm taking six credit hours uh, towards a master's degree in special education as well. And so every night I'm doing some sort of work, and every day I'm working, and uh, my wife's a trooper to be along with it. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not complaining. I know it sounds like that, but I know what I signed up for. Like, I know that school takes a lot of effort. I know that church takes a lot of effort. I know that I have to work to pay bills. And so I'm happy with all of that. Like, I chose this. I know what it all entails, and I'm not complaining about it. But, but it has taught me the importance of proper rest. Like, how important actually finding time to rest in your daily life is. And I think a lot of us fall short of that in our lives. See, here's the thing. God wants rest for his people, and it's part of his divine plan for our life. Just like he planned for us to work, he planned for us to rest as well. And it is vital to our success as Christians to finishing our race that we rest. So as I said, we're in Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. This is what it says. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let it be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. Now this is talking about the Israelites. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter the rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience God again set a certain day calling it today this he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if Joshua had given them rest God would not have spoken later about another day there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him to whom we must give account. So this passage, there are two distinct forms of rest that it mentions. The first is an eternal rest, right? That's our reward for persevering to the end of our faith. And the second is a Sabbath rest. It's a, it's a rest that we take from our works, from you know, our daily grind. With regards to the eternal rest, this passage comes with a warning and encouragement. In verse 1, it says that the promise of his rest still stands, meaning that eternity is still an option for each one of us. But then it warns us, let's be careful Okay, we must be careful not to fall short of that inheritance. And then verse 2 goes on to explain that the Israelites did fall short of that inheritance because they couldn't rest in the promise of God. This verse states uh, that they did not share the faith of those who believed. And then in verse 3, it goes on to say, but those who have believed enter the rest. And so we know that this eternal rest, right, is talking about our time in heaven. It's our reward for finishing off our race, as I just said. Christianity is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And throughout our lives, we're constantly pushing towards that finish line. And each one of us kind of has a different finish line, but one day we're going to reach that. 
And if we do reach that, if we don't fall out of the race, if we don't give up, if we persevere and we stay on course, then we're going to get to enter this eternal rest. It's part of God's divine plan for us. In verse 3, that, that verse that he references, it's a reference to Psalm 95. Psalm 95 ends by stating, 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said those hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. Now if we look at the Israelites and we look at their story, we learn so much from them. Right? Their whole story is basically a warning for us not to repeat their mistakes. In Exodus, God used Moses okay, to lead the Israelites out of captivity. Now if you've been in church uh, for any period of all especially when you're a little kid and there were felt boards in front of you, you probably had some story about Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. So that's not new news to you. If we look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, it says that the Lord said, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, sure, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now, the, the Israelites had been in captivity. They were slaves in Egypt for a very long time. And, and like all slaves, they were treated as property. They were not treated well. They did not uh, have good things happening for them. They were beaten and killed and forced to uh, work in ways that um, they weren't, they were treated more like livestock than humans, right? I mean, it's slavery. I don't need to explain that any further. But as that happens, God had this plan to deliver them out of that, and not just deliver them out of that, not just take them out of their slavery, but to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey, to take them to a place that was prosperous, that was restful, and where they wouldn't have to have that worry anymore. See, God's plan was to bring his chosen people from that place of captivity to a place of rest. And through all this process, they had seen the plagues that he brought on Egypt to get the Egyptians to be like, whoa, we need to get these Israelites out of here. In the desert, they were given manna, food from heaven when they were hungry. They were literally given water straight out of a rock. They saw the seas part, all this miraculous activity that God had done just to take them to the place that he had promised them, and yet at the end, they still fell short. At the end of the day, that was not enough for them. If we look in Numbers 32, God had brought them to the precipice of entering the promised land, and he wanted them to go into it. Now remember, he had promised this. He had guaranteed it all along the way. Any people group that they had come across in battle, they had defeated they had all their needs met and provided for. It was all leading up to this very point for God to say, this is the land that I promised you. This is where I want you to be. And they wouldn't go in. They feared. They had no faith. And we look at Deuteronomy 32, verses 10 through 13. It says that the Lord's anger was aroused that day and he swore this oath because they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Not one of those who were 20 years old or more when they came out of Egypt will see the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun. For they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years 
until the whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight had gone. So here's the thing. What do we take from this? If we lose track of what God has for us and we fail to rest in faith in the promises that God has for us, we miss out on milk and honey and we end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now God has a plan specifically for your life. And I don't know what that plan necessarily is. I know we hear this a lot in churches. God has a plan just for you and everything's going to be great and everything's going to work out. And then when things don't start going that way or feeling that way, we give up. It's what the Israelites did. When they faced opposition that they were really fearful of, they gave up. Even though God had taken them all the way up to this point, shown them that he was for them, showed them that he had already given this to them, he had conquered everything, he had given them food, he had given them water. I mean, we're talking about living in the desert and not dying. And here he is saying, I'm giving you this land, milk and honey, greatness just for you. And they said, I'm fearful to take that. See, if we really want to experience that in our lives, it's going to take some courage, it's going to take some faith, and it's going to take us listening and obeying and following God. Even in times when that is extremely uncomfortable. Even in times when that makes us absolutely fearful. I can tell you, 100% fact that I have missed out on blessings from God because I have been too fearful to step out and take them. Because I've sat back and I've, I've made a list of all the things that could go wrong. Right? Instead of having confidence in what I feel like God is telling me he's here to give me, instead of having confidence in, in, in the journey that God has taken me through, I just back out. Because I lose track of the fact that God is promising me milk and honey and I, I think, Ugh, what if I don't get it? What if I don't make it there? What if I fail? So the minute we start to have those thoughts in our race, in our marathon that is Christianity, we start to slow down. Maybe we stop. Maybe we just give up, go off course. But if we rest in faith and believe in the promises that God has for us, we will experience that milk and honey at the end of the day. And even in our lives today, God has something great for you. And he's given us a gift to help us along that way, and that gift is rest. Here's the thing. Rest is part of God's divine plan for our lives. I know I've already said that, but I want us to truly, fully understand that. Rest is part of God's divine plan for our lives here and now. We look at verses 9 and 11, or 9 through 11. It says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, I know that uh, we don't care so much about this, but I'll just explain, like, in, in the Greek, the eternal rest and the Sabbath rest, two different words. Okay? Two different uses of, of the word rest. This rest is set aside. It's different. So that's how we get the Sabbath rest. And for the Sabbath rest for the people of God. So there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also enters or also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. 
Okay, so here's the deal. Last week I noted that Jesus lived his entire life as like a walking, breathing, living example for us, right? He showed us how to live our life, how to, to persevere through things, how to make it to the end of our race. Well, God did the same thing. He started off in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 2 and 3, and this is what it said. It said that the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed that seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Here's the thing. God doesn't need rest. Like God doesn't need rest, right? He's almighty, all-powerful, alpha, omega, alpha, omega, (laughs) alpha, omega, okay? Ruler of like the universe. That is God. So like God's omnipotent everywhere, all times doesn't need rest. He's not like, well, guys, I'm going to take a snooze, hold your prayers for 15 minutes. You know what I mean? He doesn't need that. So why did he do that? He did that for you. He did that for me. Because he's showing us this pattern that after you work and after you accomplish what you set out to, you should rest. That is for you. In Exodus 34, 21, um, talking to the Israelites, it says that six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest even during the plowing season and the harvest, you must rest, right? So he brings up the plowing season and the harvest. This is like the most crucial time for people back in this day. Like this is how they survived. This is how they made money. This is how they got their food. This is how um, they provided for those around them. It was through the harvest and, and, and they just, they worked night and day, nonstop, right? I've got to get everything I can get out of this. I've got to sow and plant and reap and make that money, <laughs> And God is just saying, hey, y'all need to rest. Even during that time, find time to rest. See, God found rest so important that he commanded it. One of the commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Which means that you actually have to rest in life. Like you have to rest. It's not a suggestion. It's something that you have to do. Okay, your, your wick, if we're candles, is only so long. At a certain time, it's going to burn out. And so along the way, you have to rest to extend the life of your candle. I just came up with that off the top of the dome. You're welcome. If we look at the commandments, murder, adultery, stealing, one verse each. Now you can make the argument, well, those are pretty self-explanatory, but it's not that hard to say, thou shalt rest. And yet God devotes three verses to rest in the delivering of the Ten Commandments. Three. And we we mentioned manna earlier, right? How in the wilderness, or not in the wilderness, but as they were going across the desert to this promised land, the Israelites were like, hey, Jesus, bring us out here to starve. And God's like, all right, you think you're going to starve? Food from heaven. Bam. Just falls out. And so they were supposed to collect it, right? In Exodus 16, they're told that on the sixth day, you should gather enough for two days so that you may rest. Jesus himself set boundaries on his time. Let's look in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. It said, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Uh, The other side meaning the other side of the lake. They were teaching, preaching, working. On one side, he said, Hey, let's go to the other side. Okay? We're going to go over there now. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, and just as he was in the boat, um, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, and a furious squall came up. Waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, and Jesus was in the stern 
sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Hey, teacher, don't you even care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And for some reason, in my mind, I picture Jesus being like, right back to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, why don't you guys have any faith? Come on, Peter. And just out. Like, I'm going to go back to my rest now. I don't know that that's what happened, but pretty close to Jesus. I think sometimes I know what he's thinking. Y'all can laugh at some stuff. It's okay. Phil's got it. Thanks, Phil. So here's the thing. You need rest. You need rest. God commands it. And if it isn't a priority for you, then it needs to be. Listen, if you're one of those people who has to have a schedule in their life, like everything is scheduled. From 8 to 8.15, I'm doing quiet time. From 8.15 to 8.45, I'm eating breakfast. From 8.45 to 9 o'clock, I'm grabbing my keys and I'm out the door. Somewhere like 6-ish to 6.45, let's put a little rest in there. And if you have to have it part of your schedule, then make it part of your schedule. But make rest an important part of your life because God told you you should and God made it an important part of his even when he didn't need it. And so you need that. Third thing, we need to break busy. See, in today's world, if you aren't working, then you are losing and falling behind. That's at least the mindset we're taught, we're told. And that's wrong. Now, if you spend enough time around me, we brought up family, you've heard about Isaac, my brother-in-law. That's Jericho's little brother. And I will say this, I've said this to other people, I'll say it again. He is literally the best human being I've ever met in my entire life. I'm not partial, it's just true. Like, he made his high school's Hall of Fame. These are people that, like, they know are going to be great in the future. We're talking John Ashcroft, Steve Grant, same level. Just kidding, right? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do the head motion. He's just big head. Anyways, we're talking about people that they assumed slash knew were going to be great, right? They were, were hardworking students. They were, he literally made the Hall of Fame because he was the nicest person that anybody had ever met. And they said, we can't find anything negative to say about him. I mean, that, that's what it was. It, uh, of course, it was other things. He was nice and gracious and always helping people and played all kinds of sports and was involved in all kinds of things, but always had a smile on his face. I finally found a chink in his armor, and I love it. Here's the thing. He can't rest. I'm going to talk to him about this later, but he can't rest. Like, he can't do it. He will even tell you, look, if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm just wasting time. So he'll come over to Jericho and I's house to visit us. And he does. He visits. He's great. He plays with Cordelia. He runs around. He's her, like a little jungle gym. She hangs around all over him and kicks him and punches him, and he just laughs. And then our laundry gets folded and our trash gets gathered up and things start to be cleaned. And I'm like, Isaac, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just helping out. Isaac, you don't have to do it. Just sit on the couch and hang out with us. No, I'm just helping. Just think about this. It's just one less thing you have to do later. Now, all of you ladies in here are thinking like, man, I wish I had somebody like that in my life. Can you send him over to my house? And no, he's ours, okay? <laughs> Get over it. Um, but he just, he can't rest. And in some ways, that's really good because he's got an amazing work ethic. He works harder than anybody I know. But he can't just sit down and take time to take a deep breath. See, this Sabbath rest is also for us to spend time with God, to take a break from everything else and just be with God. 
But also, it doesn't have to be one of those things where we just, right? We're going to have plenty of time for that once we're dead. And the Pharisees, they took that too far. We remember the story of Jesus, right, where he healed uh, the lame man on the Sabbath, and they were really upset. He did something on the Sabbath. Like, they literally prided themselves on just sitting there and doing nothing. I'm not breaking this commandment. I can't. I'm not doing nothing. Right? And some of you guys are like, my husband's great at that. My wife may say the same thing. I'm good at rest. I know when to take it. I need a nap. I'm out. Let me sit down. You know what I mean? But we have to find time to rest. And here's the thing. That idea that if you're not working, you're losing and falling behind, that's a lie. It's not truth. And it's a lie straight out of the mouth of Satan. Because if he can make you busy enough, if he can make you think that you constantly have to be moving, then maybe, just maybe, you will take your mind off the race that you're supposed to be running and you'll fall off course. And if he can distract you and if he can make you think that you're not living up and that you just have to keep going and going and going and digging and pushing forward, then you lose sight of the fact that I'm living this life and I'm doing what I'm doing for Jesus. And if you do that and you fall off course, then not only do you not find rest here on earth, but you lose out on that eternal rest as well. And so we have to break busy as Christians. You need a Sabbath. I'm telling you that. Moms, you need a Sabbath. Dads, take your kids away. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just let her sit there and not do anything. Dads, you need a Sabbath. Maybe you already take one and you're good at it, okay? Continue to take that, but even out the playing field, let your wife get one as well. But we all need that time to rest. And like Jake said earlier, rest doesn't have to be this thing where we don't do anything. It just means that we're not working, that we're not actively pushing forward and grinding and trying to accomplish a task. At times, just sit and play video games or read a book or take a bath or go for a walk or do whatever it is that gives you rest, that helps you refresh, that brings you some peace because that's ultimately what God wants for you. At the end of the day, our goal is to finish our race and to enter his rest. That's what we're searching after. And that's what God wants for you. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. We thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done, for the example that you've set. God, you tell us that we don't have to be constantly busy. You tell us that we don't always have to be doing something. You tell us that it's okay to take a break. You want that for us. You commanded it to us. So God, I pray that everybody here takes the time out of their day to find some rest. Maybe it's just 15 minutes here and there. Maybe it's a whole day. Maybe they just say, hey, look, Saturday is going to be our family Sabbath and we are just going to relax and we're just going to do things that refresh us and, and, and we're not going to worry too much about anything and we're not going to just overthink things. We're just going to be. We're going to be with God and we're going to be with each other and we're going to just refocus. God, we all need that. We all do. We run uh, a race that is filled with hurdles and speed bumps and we just get tired along the way. Lord, that's why you commanded rest, for us to just have time to be with you, to, to reflect on you, to to not worry about how we may be falling behind. God, our only worry should be resting in you 
in being what it is that you would have us be. So God, I pray that today for every single person here that you just let them let go just a little bit and find that rest. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be over here to the left under the screen. If you need to pray about anything, talk about anything, I'm going to be there. That's what I'm here for. I want to to be somebody that you can confide in, somebody you can talk to. It's all confidential. No judgment. If you've done it, chances are I've done it too. (laughs) So I just want you to be able to, to come and talk to me and let's pray about whatever you need prayer for. Maybe you have interest in joining the church. You'd like to talk to me about that. I'd be more than excited to do so. Maybe you say, hey, I just don't have this rest that you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this God. I don't know what they're trying to offer. And you, you can say, hey, I, I'm not a Christian. We want that so bad for you, not because we think that you're bad or dirty or gross, but because God is just so good and he wants to bring you good things and we want to help you along that journey. So if any of those things coming across your heart today, coming across your mind, I will be right there. Come talk to me. Shelly's in the back. She would love to pray with you. Grab somebody next to you and just say, hey, will you pray with me? Pray together. Let's worship.